Amigo, welcome to a special episode of Acts of the Blood God, an independent RPG podcast. I am your host, cowboy bounty hunter, Cat Bailey, and joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Cat. I am your busty sidekick who is on the uh, bounty hunting show, who doesn't wear a shirt for some reason or button up what she has, but uh, uh, I guess it gets hot on wherever the hell she is. Mars, Jupiter. And also co-host Eric Van Allen. Hi, I'm a small corgi that has a lot of like data inside <laughs> of it. It's really neat. Data dog. Feed him a mushroom and have him go. Up, up, oh up. my god, I love that part every time. The little hop that I. Oh does. my god, it's I so lost good. it. <laughs> and finally, who is our special guest? Hey, it's Henry Gilbert, and I'm pumped up on red eye for this one, so I'm ready for a for a long <laughs> podcast. Then you're gonna break shit. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is our great Cowboy Bebop ranking. Yes, we did the Final Fantasy ranking, and we did the Tales of ranking. Now it's time to do a slightly different pick and revisit Cowboy Bebop by ranking each and every episode. We'll be getting to the rest of the show in just a moment. But first of all, thank you so much for supporting us on Patreon.com slash Pod, where you can get early access to all of our episodes for just five bucks or get an access to our Pantheon episodes that air every single month. This is a two-part episode. The second part will be available right away to our patrons. But if you want to listen to it, it'll be available in our free feed in just about a week. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. And Eric is at cmoosi, S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. And Henry, welcome back. You're our special guest. Where can we find you? Oh, well, I am at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter, and thank you for having me back. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I love RPGs, but I also really love animation, which is why I host multiple <laughs> animation podcasts that come out uh, every month. So, yeah, and, and I love Cowboy Bebop, so I was very excited to be invited onto this. You've covered Cowboy Bebop a couple of times over on What a Cartoon. Yes, yeah, and honestly, we've we've always been threatening to do a like top ten episodes podcast, and maybe we will. If if Batman hadn't beat it in our last uh, patron poll, probably we would have ended up doing it. But yeah, we did one for Mushroom Samba, and we did a almost five hour one about the Cowboy Bebop movie, knocking on heaven's door. Yeah, and, wow. Yeah. So uh, I and, and me and Bob both super duper love it. Yeah, when I, when I say we, I, I should mention my co-host, Bob Mackey, who I, I would think listeners to this know him pretty well as well. But yeah, we we cover The Simpsons on Talking Simpsons every week and twice a month. We do our What a Cartoon podcast covering other animated series. And on our Patreon, we cover a ton of animated series as well. All right, let's talk about Cowboy Bebop. And first, let's lo- lay a little bit of groundwork First aired in 1998 in Japan, 2001 in North America. It is a 26-episode series or two-parters in it. And it's basically an anthology series, but there is a kind of a loose arc for each character that takes place over the the entirety of the series. It was directed by Shinichiro Watanabe and written by Keiko Nobumoto. The music is by the great Yoko Kano in what is undoubtedly her magnum opus, at least in my opinion. It was dubbed a new genre unto itself, it began as a to- typical toy-driven show, but later became something of a prestige project after Bandai's toy-, Bandai's toy Division pulled out and wound up being quite niche over in Japan. In fact, when I was living in Japan, I could not find a single person who knew what the heck I was talking about when I mentioned Cowboy Bebop, even among the anime fans. So that's where <laughs> Cowboy Bebop kind of stood over there. But of course, it became 
the anime alongside Evangelion and a few others in North America, probably because it's so difficult, different from your typical anime. The original run only included episodes 2, 3, 7, uh, 7 to 15, 18, and the special due to its graphic violence. But a little later, it ended up doing the entire run. A little bit controversial over in Japan. So I'm just going to ask, what are your individual histories with Cowboy Bebop? Let's start with you, Henry. Well, uh, I was one of those hardcore anime fans in the U.S. It, it came at the exact right time for me because I already was a user of AnimeVillage.com, which was uh, Na- Bandai's first attempt at a direct market uncut anime thing. I was buying all their Gundam stuff through there, uh, all the UC stuff. And so then, you know, by the end of 98 or I believe early 99, they were starting to sell Cowboy Bebop. And then... Just seeing the cover art for the VHSs, I was like, this looks really cool. But I I think I had seen a little buzz about it online from its Japanese airings. But uh, so I had it like two years, not to, you know, I'm not trying to be Mr. I was there first, but I seriously <laughs> did. I seriously did get it as soon as you could in the United States. And um and I had all the tapes and then right around when I was done with it, it, then I got the DVDs. Like I got a DVD player in two, early 2001. Bebop was one of my first DVDs. I loved, loved, loved it so much. And then on top of that, I had, uh, you know, I was a huge Adult Swim viewer. And so then all my friends start watching it on Adult, on Adult Swim. The friends of mine I didn't lend the tapes to. Uh, and and boy, it all seemed so great that week before 9-11 because then also like the movie was about to <laughs> come out in the in japan i was like oh oh, hell they're gonna do more of it i love this thank god and then and then you know all that happened but yeah i so i've been a hardcore bebop fan for for since as long as it's been available in the u.s and and i was certainly disappointed just like you cat when i finally got to visit japan for the first time in 2011 i had heard that nobody knows cowboy bebop there it's like so very niche but yeah i would go i'd go to all the hobby shops and i couldn't find like toy one of that series like the only toys they'd make would be to sell to uh north american guys like me (laughs) yeah i don't remember seeing any merch in akihabara like literally at all which is too bad Mm -hmm. eric what's your history with cowboy bebop so I, I was very much an Adult Swim viewer, which again, as we recently discussed on the podcast at this point, uh, at an age I should not have been viewing Adult Swim. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Cowboy Bebop was part of this midnight block of Cartoon Network that had this, you know, sort of whispered about tones about it where it was like, oh, there's this violent anime that airs on Cartoon Network late at night that you got to check out, dude, it's sick. And I I ended up watching it. I think the first episode I saw was Ballad of Fallen Angels. And I just remember watching it and being like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like, this is amazing. And over the years, I would kind of sporadically catch them whenever it was on because I'd always have to like sneak watching it in the middle of the night uh, because I wasn't supposed to be awake in the middle of the night watching Cowboy Bebop. Uh, It wasn't until much later that I finally caught up on the episodes watched all of them, like saw the whole series through, but it always stuck with me. And I think part of that was uh, I was in band in high school and our high school had a very, very serious band program that had a jazz band and all that kind of stuff. So the music, like even more so than the episodes early on was what stuck with me. Like I remember uh, the, the day I found an MP3 
of a live performance of the seatbelts playing tank. And I played that at least like 300 times on my iPod. <laughs> like I, I could remember the exact live solo and the differences from the recorded version. And Yoko Kano's music is like still very much a large part of what this is to me, because as much as I love the show, I do really love the show. It's one of my favorite animes ever. It's also, in my opinion, one of the best soundtracks ever made, like mm. straight up and down. Oh, yeah, yeah. That that soundtrack lived uh, in my car stereo until like 2006 <laughs> when I stopped having a car like I mm. it's it's so dug into my brain that like I hear songs and I'm immediately just transported back to driving to a movie theater that I worked at and uh, <laughs> I I so deeply connected with that yeah I definitely connected with it in that way too and Eric you're you're throwing me back to when I was in high school and I was playing the Evangelion theme on my trumpet <laughs> <laughs> you, you learned um oh no what's the name of um cruel angels thesis on trumpet i, did. I sure did uh, i was never good enough at trombone to play any of the stuff that was in a uh, in the bebop soundtrack like there's some really sick trombone so on rush i think it is like the mm-hmm. one of the early tracks there's a really sick trombone solo and i always wanted to learn how to play it. i never never quite got there can we just talk about cowboy bebop's opening really quickly because i, I think everybody knows that tank is really, really good, and it's mandatory viewing if you're watching it on Hulu or wherever. If you decide to skip straight to the episode, you are taken straight to anime jail. You have to watch Tank. <laughs> the police come for you. The anime police. <laughs> no, Tank is pretty brilliant. It's a uh, 3 2 one less jam. It's very catchy, very, very unique. Uh, I've been trying to discern what it says in the background. Um, I still don't really get it to, to this day. I think it's time we blow the scene, get everybody in the stuff together. No, the text. The text is oh, scrolling. Oh, okay. <laughs> the actual text. Yeah. The opening is, to me, why the actual live-action show on Netflix just can't work, because they tried so hard mm. to get yeah. to nail it, and it's like, no, no, this does not look good. It's kind of like the live-action Disney stuff. It doesn't need to happen. It just mm. doesn't need to happen. Are we just opening this can of worms right now? Because I have many opinions. But <laughs> also, it's not... Let's do it. I mean, so it's not out yet, so I only have, like, trailer opinions. But, yeah, I mean, that thing that they tried to show off with, with, like, the... Oh, they even, on the official Netflix, released a video of, like, oh, the live-action compared to the real one. And they re- I get why they did that for virality's sake, but they really, really shouldn't have because it yeah. only makes their version <laughs> look, like, crappy. Like, it doesn't... I want it's a, I didn't want to be old man anime who's just like, oh, this thing is not happen. I really want to give it a chance on its own. But every time I watch a thing for it, I'm just like, eh, eh. like just that I think the costumes are fine and I like the cast. I think the actors are good uh, for the parts. But when I heard in one of the trailers, Spike say what the actual fuck? I was like, no. Uh-uh. Oh, that's Spike, no, no. Spike doesn't say that. I'm sorry. Spike's too cool to say that. He would not have fucking uh, Deadpool dialogue. Like, no. I, I Oh, God. I Turning it. Spike into yeah. Deadpool sounds like the worst possible <laughs> scenario. And I don't hate Deadpool or anything like that. It's just, we have a Deadpool. Thank you. We've had yes. all the Deadpool we need. Yeah. It was that part. And then there's one part of the trailer where, like, it seems like there's a running gag that Spike just wants to shoot Faye and he keeps like holding a gun at her head and Jet's like, Spike, no. And Spike's like, I just want to <laughs> shoot her. I just want to shoot her. And I'm like, now having watched this series again, I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, they clearly gleaned like the visual knowledge of what this series is and the mm-hmm. musical knowledge of what this series is. But did 
any of the tone for these characters come through because right now, like from the trailers, they just kind of seem like a, like a facade version of it. Like it, if you don't look too closely, you just catch it in your peripheral. Like, yeah, that that's about right. But if you like squint and, and focus in and stuff, you're like, wait, there's a lot wrong here. And I don't think they've done a good job of marketing this thing either because one of those early trailers they put out was very much like an Edgar Wright, like zip, zam, uh, boom, biff, yeah. bam. combination like, of what? Quentin Tarantino and... Yeah, it really wants Scott to be Pilgrim? a Pulp Fiction. That's yeah. not Cowboy Bebop, I'm sorry. Mm. It's, there's a lot of parts of Cowboy Bebop that just like slow down and chill for a bit and like yeah, let absolutely. a scene linger and... This one does not want you to let scene linger. So I, yeah. I'll I'll reserve full judgment for the live action. And yeah, the casting is is good. And I'm glad they got Yoko Kano back. But oh sure. At least she's getting a paycheck and, yeah. and yeah. hopefully Watson. And the original cast something. too, being dubbed over in Japan. Yeah. So yeah. that's cool. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, eh, I don't know. I'll I guess I'll reserve judgment as well until I actually watch it. But like I mean, especially Spike. Spike is the coolest character that's ever existed. And part of being cool is not constantly doing Whedon-esque dialogue of like, "Eh, is that a thing? It's like, no, that's not cool. That's (laughs) annoying. Like, not a cool guy. The definition of missing the point, in my opinion. But hey, we'll give it a shot. Maybe. Mm -hmm. We'll see. (laughs) Nadia, what's your history with Cowboy Bebop? It's actually funny because I know all of you probably saw the um, show on what, what did it air in the States? Toonami? Adult or Swim. Cartoon? Adult Swim, yeah. Adult Swim, yeah. So we never had that in Canada. We never had an equivalent of Cartoon Network except maybe Teletoon, which for some reason did not get a lot of anime. Same with YTV, which is our other, like, you know, our replacement for Nickelodeon. Just for some reason, we did not get a lot of anime in Canada, especially the hot, trendy stuff. So when I finally saw Cowboy Bebop, it had to be like, God, like, in the aughts rips that I downloaded from some shady uh, peer-to-peer thing. And it wasn't exactly the best way to experience the the whole series. But, I mean, it's a great series, so it can hold up anywhere. Heck, I was watching episodes on my phone and just getting into it. So it, it works no matter what you do. As for me, I watched Cowboy Bebop in my first year in college. I've been in college for like 10 days. And I finally had Cartoon Network on my TV because it had not been part of our cable package back home. So I got Mm. to watch it. And what is this cool new show? It's called Cowboy Bebop. And oh, my God, from the second I watched it, I was completely in love. Yes, like everybody else, all of the other wannabe edgelord college students, Ballad of Violent Angels and Real Folk Blues were my favorites at the time. That was the perfect aged for them to imprint oh, yeah. cowboy bebop on you that was oh, yeah. 10 days perfect just perfect i had all of the vhs tapes and then later the dvds and now the blu-ray sets so i've bought cowboy bebop many a time and it still holds a special place in my heart i'm still mad at super robot wars t for throwing it in just for kind of appeal to westerners i think but yeah. then not doing anything with it there were so many opportunities and they're like yeah you get the swordfish and the characters are kind of doing some stuff but by and large uh spike is just kind of hanging around in the background i'm like ah oh, you monsters what have you <laughs> well, done that's what he does he, he hangs out a lot so yeah. you, can't give him, you yeah. gotta give him that the only episode they featured in super robot wars t was uh gateway shuffle interestingly enough they did a mission around hmm. that but that was about interesting. It. Great episode. Great mm. episode. I, I'm I'm very fond of that one. And they featured in the trailers for a reason. Sorry, go ahead, Henry. 
No, I played I played that uh, that Robot Wars up to the Spike one, and yeah, it was at first I was like, "Wow, Spike!" and and then I did go like, "Oh man, is that it? Is that really it?" Yeah, but yeah, yeah. they had Harlock and Spike in there, and they could have done so much with having Ugh. Spike and Harlock bounce off one another, and they didn't. And they forgot Spike mm. was even in the game most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit, we have this guy. <laughs> oh yeah, I, he's here, I guess. You know, seeing it in my teen years too, like I I have. I had my anime friends, but I also had my friends who weren't into anime and they were always saying like, well, you know, what's an anime I could get into? And you knew you couldn't give them something that was more than 26 episodes. You knew it had to be well animated. You knew it couldn't be like super lore driven or have a bunch of like, uh, like rules you have to introduce. Like you couldn't just say like, well, yeah, just watch, you know, the first three Gundam movies that they, they might, it, it looks too They'll old. Check they They'll check yeah, out. They'll check out. Yeah. And even if you give him Evangelion, you know that at a certain point, they're going to either bounce off and be mad at you or actually give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Like, but you, It's a gamble. But, but Cowboy Bebop was always the good one. Like, you could always just go like, if you haven't seen Cowboy Bebop yet, that should be your first real anime that you introduce like a pal to. Uh, yeah. That's it was it was a success every single time. It's uh, there's a scene in the movie High Fidelity where at the record store they put on this album from the beta band and a character says to another one like i'm gonna sell all 10 copies of the beta band album when i put it on because nobody's heard the band before but the second record store employees hear it they're gonna have to buy it because they hear this song and like it i feel like cowboy bebop is exactly that with like pretty much every american geek i have met who i like if you were to show it to them just even a clip of like an awesome action scene they would say and you tell them the whole show was like this they would buy it like they'd give it a shot instantly well funny you should mention that because i watched this episode with somebody who had never seen cowboy bebop before in fact she not only had never seen Cowboy Bebop, she didn't know what the heck it was. She did really? not oh, know right. even the most basic information about it. I said, what do you think Cowboy Bebop is? And she <laughs> mm-hmm. said, it's probably about a band. <laughs> I mean, you know, not, not a wrong. bad guess. No. <laughs> I'm like, sort of about a band, I guess. But uh, notably, she's a big fan of uh, The Expanse. And she's okay. watched like Firefly, which is Joss mm. Whedon. Basically, lifting Cowboy Bebop whole cloth and turning into a live action TV show. I was wondering show. about that, but a yeah, poor man's yeah. Bebop, one might say. Mm-hmm. So she mm-hmm. watched Spicy the entire tape. episode, the entire series with me. She had very interesting opinions, and she was she was really into it. Like she was like, "I love this show. This is terrific." Also, not ex- at all what she was expecting when we watched it. So it's good stuff, but. Knowing me, she should have known that it would be some kind of anime space thing. Come on. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, <laughs> You're a walking spoiler, cat. I will say it hit me at a really good time, too, because the show not only is like so it's it has amazing action and it's like peak television animation like probably ever will look or at least on the budget it had. And it's by uh, people who have like perfected their craft. And on top of that. It takes Lupin, which I love Lupin the Third, but this yes. like matured it up and made it and 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 it was Lupin for people in their thirties, not Lupin for people in their teens. Uh or if you're a teen who wants to think they're as mature as they will be mm. in their thirties, you watch mm-hmm. it. And so like that and then I was watching all the John Woo movies. This show was the 
referencing like every time it had every vicious episode was my favorite because i just loved all the john woo stuff in it yeah let's rank the episodes folks i went ahead and ranked all 26 episodes jupiter jazz and real folk blues were combined into one because i think they're a singular work and deserve to be considered on their own we'll talk about the first four episodes kind of together no disrespect to them i don't really think there's a bad cowboy bebop episode no in there, no, no no for the sake of time i think that we're going to just kind of pull together the initial four and the initial four episodes are number 24 boogie woogie feng shui number 23 sympathy for the devil number 22 brain scratch and number 21 bohemian rhapsody so i think at least one of those is a little bit controversial eric I, several of these are controversial for oh me, boy. but that only like <laughs> goes to a test for how good this series is. Because yes. so Sympathy for the Devil for the longest time I would have put in my top five because mm-hmm. it was one that always came on when it was on TV. But I, I love something about like the almost deal made at the crossroads that that feels like it's been set up here and it's like you've stumbled into this story that it it feels like genuine space horror like cosmic horror not in the toys in the attic way that is very much like normal sci-fi horror but this is like oh this is an immortal being that spike has just stumbled across and has to deal with and it's one of the few times that i think they do a good job of making spike feel like he's up against something he just doesn't understand and can't just shoot (laughs) and uh there are there are other times i think they do it better so i understand why why some people have it lower but i'm actually calling an audible and moving it ahead of brain scratch brain scratch you're moving down brain scratch is probably my least favorite episode because it has the most banger intro like the the mm-hmm. part where they're flipping through the channels and then suddenly it stops on one and Faye is in the cult is so good it's such a good intro to that episode and then the rest of it just kind of feels not as as well developed i didn't really like the the way they went with it it felt very like I, I, it felt a lot like a ghost in the shell episode honestly yeah. no it is i think it is kind of his she type uh episode i'd say for sure yeah i uh, i what i like about brain scratch is that so i think you can get the feel of the series that by there's a reason that the movie takes place between 22 and 23 because 23 is when the ending begins like it's yeah the it's the last episode of big shot like every and and there's a point that like the episode ends with them turning off tv and just going you know what tv forget it we're done with this you shouldn't be watching. like if you end an episode by saying you shouldn't be watching tv to people watching your tv show that that already sounds like you've decided to stop which i which i like that message of it as as an episode but it's it's a little lethargic for the show i think too and and it's a little like two two old man complains about the internet kind of feel (laughs) to it you know but i i do agree with the idea that boogie woogie feng shui which i also love i love every episode of cowboy bebop but i would put it last too because 
I don't think it has enough of its own like feel to it. I, it's like kind of a caper, I guess you'd say. Yeah. And, and also obviously it's not this, but that they even play around with the idea like, Oh, Jet, are you like attracted to this girl? You like young girls. Yeah. And, and it, but Jet does it like Jet sees this girl only as a daughter, but the fact that they even want like, have that mentioned it goes like and then there's also this really weird moment where where jet just like straight up like snaps the dude's neck i was like geez jet you know he could just <laughs> yeah, knock he him unconscious yeah I, it's not uh i guess jet is you know he's the black dog and all that who, who will do anything but it's it was so intense i was like god damn but but it does have one of my favorite jokes in the entire series which is when everybody all the casual smokers on the ship are now just bre- blowing smoke into her face, uh, Mayfa's face, and she's just coughing. And then Jet tells him, like, hey, it's my ship, so you either stop smoking or go outside. Just smash cut to them smoking outside. Bay, Bay and Spike, <laughs> they, they can't stop. Sympathy for the Devil. I don't particularly like that episode, but it, one, has some really beautiful uh, blues in yeah. the... Uh, what, the the kid playing the harmonica right in the, mm-hmm. um, the the blues club that's awesome and also there's a little bit of a disco elysium feel of very this, i noticed that this yeah. show's very grounded but then it gets mystical because that's the only way that you can describe the notion of a kid literally not being able to age because of the lunar accident the lunar gate because accident. he was stuck in hyperspace a pocket of hyperspace that's the thing I actually like about Sympathy of the Devil and why I would actually move it way up is because I think it's the only or the, at least the first episode that gives us a really good idea of what happened with that space gate accident and how it devastated. A little bit Earth. of a lore. Like, yeah, a little bit of a lore. And it's you can actually see like you hear about how Earth is screwed up and you don't know why. And then you see like this poor little kid uh, coming out from under a body and everything's been incinerated. And it's just he's alive and he's alone and to me that's like just a really really frightening prospect so i kind of felt for the kid and i know the science quote-unquote is wonky but that's kind of that's the fun of it it always just kind of washes over me whenever i see the because you're coming off ballad of fallen angels and you're like geez okay wow and then the next episode's like and here's this episode and i whenever i see the teaser for it i'm like uh okay let's get through this (laughs) No, I mean, oh god it, there's a child again let's, see, let's it, do this it's not as it's not as fun as some others but it's also like as being serious it's not i i like other serious ones more too i think that it has some another is my favorite scenes like as far as lore goes just a bit of like you're seeing the vision of spike get his eye replaced and that's horrifying know, and and then it just cuts to him like in this trance-like state because just the music he's hearing teleports him back like the idea that almost through his music the child is making other people remember like these uh, like horrible moments from their own life like that it's and the show that's about music like having a scene that shows how it transports you back to such a moment in your life is so great and then one of my favorite funny scenes 
the very intricate opening of the dog food and yeah. like mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. i'm just excited for it and then fork goes in it. and mm-hmm. and the hot girl of the series faye just eating dog food she's like yeah i mean dog food like it's a, you're not mm-hmm. getting food. I, I have to admit as a former groomer we did sometimes snack on not dog food but like clients would bring in fancy dog cookies and we'd be like hey these look good <laughs> we'd eat them and they they were good they tasted uh, good it's dogs like okay how about a how about a milk bone no that's a low class stuff you gotta eat the good stuff yeah well, I, I think I, that I think that Ein is just an excuse for the animators to have fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's great! Yeah, I love yeah. him yeah. so much. Well, it's also fun. Uh, that's a scene. There's so many examples of this of like Faye. Faye is your fan service machine. You know, like she she's a shadow of Fujiko from Lupin, the ultimate fan service babe. But yeah. they constantly undercut that. Like they make her mm-hmm. like have, they make her the, she's the one who has uh, bowel issues in an episode, <laughs> not any of the other guys. Like they, they never really give you like a full nude scene except one time they do, but it's when you feel incredibly sad for her. Like you're not, it doesn't <laughs> want you to truly enjoy being horny for Faye. Like they did not, that uh, the to the audience which i think is a really like in 98 when you're supposed to be selling this show yeah. with like tna is one of the things you can sell they they kind of refuse to do that with Faye so many times there's that bit in jupiter jazz where she is sitting in that very suggestive position on the mm-hmm. couch with basically just showing her butt you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that kind of yeah thing. and her her, her, her thong is rocking her crack Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. sure, yeah. Look, she's sexy in many shots, but they there's it's comparative to other shows like Evangelion hit the fan service lever way harder and with more than one yeah. character mm-hmm. than, than I, this I show have does to say thing. personally, my outlook is okay. If you're gonna fan service and cheesecake, you're gonna fan service and cheesecake. Just give me a character with personality, and of course, Faye is is Faye. She's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As for Bohemian Rhapsody. That's actually kind of a sentimental favorite of mine because there's so much Ed in it and there are so many mm-hmm. weird Ed moments. Like, I think one of my just smallest but most favorite Ed moments is when they're trying to get them off the computer because, you know, they're in the middle of a chess game and Ed just turns and hisses at them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yes, that's very real. He's like, Ed, the. At one point, Ed is referred to as a cat that just kind of wanders in and gets food yeah, and then leaves. Stray. Ed mm-hmm. is basically closer to Ayn than any of the characters, like <laughs> an Ayn that can talk. And so the whenever Ed gets particularly animalistic, I just I really enjoy it. But beyond that, it's just fun to watch Ed having the back and forth uh, with the old chess master. Well, uh, it, it's great. It's great. So. I had this episode way higher in my own personal oh, yeah. tier list. Mm-hmm. And part of it was definitely Ed and the chess master. But the other aspect of it that I loved was it, you get like some idea of corporations in this world and like kind of the larger powers that be. And I also have like black dog serenade very high on my list because of that, because you get to see what power structures are like in this world. And it's a real, like the corpos screwed everything up, man. And like highly implies that they are responsible for the gate accident and stuff like that. They knew it was coming and all. And I like that as a plot device. It's a much more like interesting antagonist that you don't see bounty hunters normally get to deal with. And the scene with, uh, jet at the end where he's like just just leave the old man alone you know ed doesn't want to lose 
the chess partner and all that. And it's, uh, it's, it's a very good, strong ending to a show, not to a show, to an episode, but like, I, I liked having that kind of antagonist versus the typical, like, here's one character. No, it's this like corporation that's really messed up. And the twist at the end that the, the old chess master didn't even know what he was doing. <laughs> he just sent it out like 50 years in the past. And now it's all coming to fruition while he's just laughing in this weird space station filled with like old dudes getting high and stuff. And <laughs> I love that setting too. It's so good. It's yeah. like, which there's so many little bits. Adult swim slashed all that pot stuff out of it, which is really too bad. But mm. the, I mean the, yeah, I love uh, as far as resolutions to like a one episode heavy goes the bounty hunter they're up against that his parting shot is just him getting like stoned out of his mind mm-hmm. in a space station. Like, yeah, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> broken by the world he's just so completely broken by the concept of chess master hex that his brain breaks and now all he can do is sit around and smoke weed Mm -hmm. (laughs) no i i and also that the when they make the deal when jet makes the deal with the evil corporate guys they they're like all right what's he gonna want a bunch of money and and we know the bebop crew needs money but they don't one they want to just continue the game because it's fun for ed and they care about ed and two you know i don't think jet wants to have a a, you know a billion wulong from the most evil monsters in the world i thing right yeah i think that you can easily make a case for bohemian rhapsody and sympathy for the devil moving up a bit but you know as with all of these rankings someone has to be at the bottom it's a little bit interchangeable um at this level i want to put them in the top 10 or anything but but i i would agree on boogie woogie feng shui being last oh yeah and brain scratch honestly yeah Yeah. i mean like i said though there are no bad episodes of cowboy bebop each one it's a special little gem. And then at the top of the list, oh my gosh, the show in every, is so good. In every series, like comparative 26 episode series Evangelion, there's like three episodes that are just like marking time or also, mm-hmm. you know, they ran out of money or uh, deadlines or whatever. You never, there's not one episode of Cowboy Bebop where it feels like, well, the B team's on this one. The animation's yeah, exactly. not as good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Next up on this list, Spike and company discover heavy metal. Yes, number 20 is Heavy Metal Queen. That is episode 7. It's the episode where Spike meets BT, a hauler who is chasing after a bounty that has a lot of explosives, and it's a great high-speed chase. But mostly, I, A, love the cat, and oh, B... Cat Zeroes is great. <laughs> and absolutely love the, the music, because it's such a departure from the rest of the show. That's the best thing about Cowboy Bebop is you never know what you're going to get each episode. I love the teaser for this one where they're just playing heavy metal at top volume mm-hmm. and Faye and Spike are like, what are you saying? What? <laughs> I think this is my favorite one-off because mm. uh, as you said, the cat BT was fantastic. Also, um, uh, there weren't really any truckers in my family, but my brother is big into radios and ham radio and stuff like that. And from an early age, he would go on CBs and antagonize truckers. So <laughs> just him talking on the radio <laughs> brought me back to him saying, like, breaker, breaker, we're going to take a shit or something stupid. And, so, <laughs> and them yelling at him to get off the channel. So it just brought back a lot of good memories. 
I I love the the there's such like a butch woman is the main uh, yes. like spike friend here like that's so yeah. cool. Uh, not punk. What am I looking for? Heavy metal. <laughs> what can I yeah. say? Yeah. I would I I'd say overall as a series comparatively to its other shows then, uh I think it dealt with queer topics better than most. Like, Mostly. Yeah, I, I agree for the I, time, yeah. I believe in Sympathy for the Devil. It's the scene where Faye finds the two guys in bed together and Mm -hmm. like just interrogates them but it's just treated as like yes it's two instead of a man and a woman having sex she stopped two men having sex Mm -hmm. it's not a joke that they're gay that's also why one of my all-time favorites i would also knock it down a few pegs because it's the one where i groaned out of like oh that's worse than i remember like in jupiter jazz but oh yeah yeah but oppositely (laughs) heavy metal queen i like that it plays with gender and expectations more and not in a judgy way a joke the joke is not on decker or sorry the the joke is not on the trucker to be like oh isn't she not what you think a woman should be isn't that a bad isn't it bad or like they could have made it really bad by making it like hey guess my gender instead of guess my name that would have been uh, kind of uncomfortable mm-hmm. i just think like vt is is a great character as, as a one-off because you set up the mystery very early on of what does vt stand for you have this really interesting character who kind of has immediately these cool dynamics as she's walking into the station because you have truckers being all buddy buddy and playing the game but then obviously like a lot of animosity with the bounty hunters that are all waiting for this dude to show up i also love that setup of like everybody's waiting for this dude to show yeah. up so they can get <laughs> the cafe's bounty. usually empty um and and the whole thing with the um was it uh oyster oyster something the prairie oyster prairie yeah. oyster oh yeah. that sounded gross like it's look it, spikes hung over as fuck like he needs he's he needs to recover you know? i would it's, never be that hung over jesus <laughs> one of my favorite things about bebop is how they just establish parts of characters without just like slamming you in the face with it but being yes, just kind of like you are going to understand this character by how they live in the world and so there you get like oh spike doesn't always make great decisions about his you know like and also he's been drunk many many times like he's been this hungover enough to have like a go-to solution for it and that becomes a bonding point between him and vt so i think there's just some really good character storytelling that for an episode that is fairly early on in the run and you're still establishing some of these characters so you can evolve them later like it does a good job of setting up spike as a character and the sort of relationship that he has with with bounty hunting with growing older because he's obviously the hangovers are starting to take more of a toll on his body as he's getting older like there's a lot of just really good stuff in here that i ended up latching onto, even if i think the a plot was kind of take it or leave it i didn't really dig the whole like oh it's a truck full of he's chasing uh, woody allen for some reason i love that (laughs) chasing woody allen instead of the big tough guy and he just kind (laughs) of slips out the back i do love how each oh i'm sorry eric i didn't go ahead oh i was just gonna say yeah it's it's like it's a serviceable a plot but i think the good stuff is all these characters interacting Faye not recognizing the tattoo and kind of jumping the gun early (laughs) also great because Faye as a femme fatale is kind of like you expect the femme fatale to be very smart and capable and always one step ahead. But like Faye's clumsy. Faye she keeps screwing makes it up. mistakes. Like there's <laughs> kind of a joke about her being really lucky early on and being this like sleight of hand expert, which she is. 
But that doesn't mean that she can't still be like, oh, that was actually a cute sea otter tattoo on the dude's <laughs> chest instead of a dragon. <laughs> and she kind of jumped the gun because she was really eager to get that money and then go blow it all at the casino. <laughs> well, all she does is fuck up. Like, it's like, yeah. that's a great, mm-hmm. like, it starts with her fucking up here at this bar. And then, like, the only, the only time, meanwhile, things mess up for spike because somebody else messes up like here Mm. he is working so hard with that egg yolk and this shot of him looking down at the egg yolk on his crotch i'm just like (laughs) and just his just like desperate face like he's hung over all he wanted was this one drink to help him with it and he's like god damn it he's just the you made me drop my egg the mm-hmm. disappointment on his face, and in the worst place too, he ruined his good pair of pants. Mm-hmm. Now you know that Spike's going to kick some ass. Like it's just so cool, and 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 his plan of just just all right. Well, hey, got to do it. Earplugs in, big gulp of breath, pop out, foo into that was the terrifying. back of the space. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the kind of thing that terrifies me. I will say though, if you are cut in, in if you are ejected into space, do not fill up your lungs. Empty them, otherwise Ooh. they explode. Oh, okay. I Keep never in mind. That. Keep that in I'll mind. Case, that, yeah. Just in case, you know. Because you're going go to have vacuum. the decompression, right? So Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Well, I figured your eyeballs would be ripped out anyways, especially his big giant eyes. Like they don't get ripped out. Oh no, out. my last good eye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they tend to play a little bit fast and loose with vacuum. Mm. A bit, shooting yeah. a gun inside a spaceship. They're very cavalier yeah. about that. Yeah. One last thing I want to point out. They have so much fun with the actual trucks as well. They do. I was design. Yeah. yeah, it's great. The cabs, the way each cab is personalized for each driver. I love that kind of stuff. The the vision of the future they have is so great because it is, you know, we finally have flying cars. We have, you know, faster than light travel, all this stuff. But everything's still just like junk. Like everything's, everything's just like junky. junky. It's used <laughs> future, but actually yeah. good. It's a lived in mm. world compared to Star Wars. Sorry, Star mm-hmm. Wars. And how international everything is, it's just like, yeah, all all these different cultures flew into space, like in this, what you know, like you can see Spike grew up in like a Chinese neighborhood, but then there's other places that are like all the signs are in Spanish or, or in English. Or yeah, Frozen Moon is Russian. Yes, yeah. yeah. All in all, great episode, personal favorite of mine, honestly, just because I love VT so much. Hard to rank these, but the next episode up. Introduces the best member of the cast. Yes, number 19 is Stray Dog Strut, the second episode in the one and only Ein episode. Yeah, it's basically one long chase scene. I love it so much because it's just... Ayn running around being Ayn, right? Everybody's trying to catch Ayn. There are animals everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just need some yakety sacks. Mm-hmm. There are some great background jokes in this one. Like there's a point where, where all the animals are running out of the, the woman's shop. You see an ostrich. And it's a tiny little shop, like a little hole in the wall. And she has like ostriches and alligators and all this other weird shit coming out of this little tiny hole in the wall. And she has a turtle on her head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's mm-hmm. such a fun weirdo it's just one uh, of the weird characters i love yeah well also they they introduce you know so many new ideas in here including like this the the bounty they're hunting down is a guy who like has transformed a kareem abdul jabbar from a very different look like and it's mm-hmm. just their way of <laughs> yeah. saying like hey this is how futuristic the world is this can people can change that much in their look 
Yeah, and it's I I think overall in in you know the the pantheon of of bebop episodes um, mm-hmm. in in the overall run, I think it's the most straightforward episode. It's not really like you know it's not quote unquote deep or whatever. It is very much just you are they're chasing Ayn it's down. Just a caper. Every and, once in a while, they just a have a straight up caper, and it's fun. So it's a very I think it's a very good one to like introduce people to the series with because you don't get too deep in i actually i still love the first episode a lot but uh like this is a good one to also like get people in with it also has two of my favorite songs on the soundtrack in it like two absolutely incredible songs uh rush uh which is uh, like i talked about earlier fantastic song and then straight out or bad dog no biscuits is the other one and (laughs) which for some reason it, it sounds like a cacophony of noise for half of it and it's just this most chaotic like like if the the band from the incredibles was falling down the stairs that's what this <laughs> sounds like and then in the middle of it like they get to the bottom of the stairs and now they're in a ska show and they just start playing ska music all of a sudden and it's <laughs> i don't know how yoko kano came up with that idea for this song but it's so good it's so incredible and it like moves in and out of these genres in a way that you would expect someone who is like deeply familiar with these genres. But if you've looked up like Yoko Kano before, she's just like, she absorbs, she just like learns and absorbs and then applies masterfully. And uh, yeah, that's when I think of this episode, I think of like uh, Spike and the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar character kind of chasing <laughs> after Ayn and then just incredible ska music playing. That's what this episode <laughs> is to me. Sometimes it's all you need, ska and a dog. And and it hints to you that like Ayn is so much more already, like you get to mm-hmm. see that. And and also I, I like as a second episode, it sets the tone for the show that it's all about this slow building and then also the and then the come down from that. Because if you in the first episode, it's just a great adventure that and if you love Loop on the third, the you know, this is Lupin, this is uh Lupin's Jigen, face. Jigen. It's Jigen and Lupin. Like, that's Jet and Spike. Easy mm-hmm. to just graph that onto it. And you can expect, oh, a million adventures of just these two guys. And then once a like a super smart corgi jumps around and and can like drive cars and 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 hack <laughs> computers, you're you're your expectations have completely shifted now. You're like, wait, what? What is <laughs> what show is this now? And and then they also just get to show off with like they get to show off that. Spike is a gently uh, is a Bruce Lee fanboy. Like he loves Bruce Lee. Like when he mm-hmm. put, picks up those nunchucks and just starts doing Bruce Lee's nunchuck routine, I was like, okay, this it it makes more sense about what type of guy Spike is. It's Asteroid Blues is the shot, and Stray Dog Strut is the chaser. Absolutely, mm-hmm. where you you go from this very melancholy kind of intro to the show to this, right, mm-hmm. and. I always enjoy going from Astray Blues to Stray Dog Strut because Stray Dog Strut is just has this wonderful energy to it, it does. as the characters are chasing after Ayn. So actually, even though I have Stray Dog Strut ranked lower because, I don't know, Astray Blues, I think, ultimately is the better episode. I kind of prefer Stray Dog Strut <laughs> just because it's a more it's a more enjoyable episode to me. It's more fun, like just pure fun, zaniness. Mm-hmm. I think Henry's onto something when he says that uh, it really sheds your expectations for what the show is going to be about. It's not not necessarily Lupin, but it is that. And also there's a dog and a, a chase that's like out of a like it's a mad, bad, mad world. Yes. Yeah. 
No, the uh, I think the 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 melancholy flavor of bebop is my favorite flavor of the show, but it those only count as much as well as they do because it's not the entire series. If every episode left you with going like, man, what is life? Boy, like, <laughs> sometimes you need to just have a good time and laugh and, and just chill yeah. out with characters. Can we talk about Ayn for a hot second? Because this episode yes, sets up Ayn as being much more important than he ultimately is. They're like super yeah. smart data dog that everybody wants. Except that Ayn is just a font for visual gags for the rest of the show. And then later on a companion for Ed. <laughs> yeah yeah they kind of dropped that whole ball because i was thinking oh my god like it must be the most important dog in the world because everyone's chasing after him and then he just kind of hangs out on the ship and that's the end of that which is fine i love Vine. yeah he's adorable he deserves to chill yeah i love when bebop decides to take these things that are of great importance and just literally like there's there's a part in gateway shuffle where they do a similar thing where there is a thing that the audience understands is a very important and dangerous object and even a character in the scene understands that very dangerous and boring object and spike is just like smacking it against the wall and (laughs) twisting it and and you're sitting there and it works so well and so i think that works with ein too where you're sitting there like oh ein's so important ein's this data dog this is such a cool plot point that you could establish and then build on later on no just ein's just a cool corgi that's just gonna hang out and and be part of the bebop crew I think the smartest thing Ayn ends up doing later on the show is answering the phone and talking to Yes. <laughs> hey. oh. And he starts <laughs> sniffing at it. It's yeah. Like, well, the screen I, pops up and it's Ayn. It's just the happiest <laughs> moment. Well, a, a huge part of the show is just, you know, knowing that something is very valuable, but not just selling it for like it's it, – it's intrinsic value, like not just cash. In. I mean, it's a very anti-selling out show. And so many episodes are like, well, it's time to sell out. And everyone's like, no, we're not going to sell out. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, I don't want the big paycheck. I don't want this or that. Yeah. Next up on this list, we got a little bit of space shuttle nostalgia. Yes, number 18 is Wild Horses. This was episode 19 during the run. Memorable mostly because the Space Shuttle Columbia appeared in this episode. And as a result, the episode was actually pulled later in the run because in 2003, the Space Shuttle Columbia was destroyed in a rather terrible accident. I think it's Mm. a lot of fun if you're into mechanics, which I am actually. I love the swordfish. (laughs) I love all of the space combat. This show does an incredible job. With the actual mm-hmm. space combat and everything. No, that's the that's the secret of Sunrise. That if you if you if Bebop is the only Sunrise show you've watched, then you don't know that this is a show made by like the best mecha designers of their generation in anime, and that that all comes out in the the spaceships. But it's the the spaceships and the and the character action feel like so separate a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. Like and I know what you mean, especially like in the movie. It feels like in the in the movie they just decide like okay, twenty minutes of spaceship. Fi- chase we just we got to do it pause the story just have a big cool uh, thing with the swordfish but and this answers the question too of like why would a guy who is basically a stray cat himself uh spike who lives his life so lackadaisically why would he own the coolest spaceship in the world like why would he own a spaceship that's cooler than an x-wing that also he just fucks up all of the time and (laughs) and, and this is the answer to it which i I love plus I 
I had never listened to the Rolling Stone song Wild Horses until watching this episode. And and once I heard it, like that is one of that's uh, right up there with Moonlight Mile is like my favorite Rolling Stone song. I love Wild Horses quite a lot. I really like the swordfish as a concept. It is. I, I agree with you, Henry. That is it is definitely cooler than an X-Wing. Mm-hmm. A, show, a, th- yeah. a thought that kept occurring to me throughout this entire show was. Wow, the the red tail and the the swordfish constantly are getting damaged. Sometimes yeah. really badly. Like I think at <laughs> one point, Bay's ship just gets straight up destroyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like in um, mm-hmm. Heavy Metal Queen. And I'm like, yeah. where do oh, they yeah. get the money for the parts? Yeah. And I'm like, well, I guess that's why they're always going hungry because those <laughs> ships must be so insanely uh, expensive to actually maintain. Yeah, this is a great episode for that physicality that it gives you. Of like, here you're going to really see these ships as <laughs> actual objects not just like x-wing toys that you're smashing together in the backyard and i think the best part of that that you noted here in the notes to cat is where spike is etching the lines onto his uh windshield to kind of like determine the the way that he's going to enter the atmosphere and stuff it's a really cool moment where you're like oh yeah, if he doesn't have computers and stuff, he's literally like etching the line so he can figure it out. It's a cool moment for Spike because you're like, okay, he's a lot smarter about flying. He's not yeah. just some hotshot pilot, but he's got like some know-how as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, this is actually a very good episode for building up Spike as a character because it's also, I think, really driving home the attitude that he has of I'm already dead. So like why would I not do something that would put my life in risk? Like that's sure. Why not? Like if I die, I die. What happens? Like he says, what happens happens like 14 times in this episode. Uh, and it, this is the one that, you know, late in the series when they're getting up to that point where like real folk blues is just starting to appear on the horizon and all that. This is a good time to start to ratchet that, uh, emotion up for this character. And it works really, really well, even though this is another episode that I probably, would put pretty low on my rankings, but it still works. And the the two one-off characters in it are a great combo. This uh, cranky old man, and then this guy who's like the ultimate fanboy of outer space. Mm-hmm. Like he's just like na- <laughs> the NASA. F- yeah. Yeah, and then they can't. Yeah, to set Let's up the, like Mets. a glove, like a glove Mets. catching a baseball, <laughs> just like perfect the the ca- catching of it, and yeah, just seeing the the final mm-hmm. shot of the photo they all took together after surviving like five different things that could have killed them is just <laughs> such a wonderful shot. Yeah, and as a sporto myself, I love the fact that Miles is a giant baseball fan, specifically of the star-crossed Blue Sox. Were apparently based <laughs> off the hunching tigers in real life who are a very popular team mm-hmm. that have a lot of bad luck compared to the much larger yomuri giants but oh no i was gonna say well then calling it the blue Sox, it's like the at the time the red Sox were the big city loser team mm-hmm. to the new york yankees <laughs> no mm-hmm. no longer is that the case but but then and for 60 years before that episode aired it was too mm-hmm. i just love whenever a show a near future show gets has a character who's a big sports fan because to me at least like Babylon 5 they mentioned baseball a lot quite a bit too uh it grounds it more for me because i guess ba- like sports are kind of part of my everyday life and i can't imagine sports really going away in the future no, like go away. spectator sports are always going to be popular in one way or another so it makes sense to me mm. when you run into a character who's an avid sports fan and 
colors in a lot of the particular character. And oh, by the way, uh, there are three characters in this episode named George Herman and Ruth, which is, of course, a reference to Babe Ruth. <laughs> so secretly a baseball episode, interestingly enough. I love that it is baseball, too, because I think a large part of Bebop that is probably why it hooked on in the West is that it's an interpretation of a lot of things that are kind of the U.S.'s cultural exports. You think of like jazz as being a very U.S. centered thing that then spread out across the world and was evolved by everybody that touched and turned into their own thing. Baseball can kind of be this like seen in the same lens. And so it fits into that feeling of something that came from another place and then evolved and became something else, even though the core thing was still the same. I mean, that's bebop in a nutshell is this mishmash of genres that forms together into something that is kind of not wholly recognizable and to still like be able to distill down into its distinct parts. It's just one giant melting pot of all these different ideas into one thing that can only be like cowboy bebop. Then of course the climax has the space shuttle, which at the time, mm-hmm. Space Shuttle was still very much a thing. Now it's more nostalgic, I think. But of course, as I already mentioned, it's there are multiple moments in this show where you see a scene that hits a little weird, and one of them is the characters flying to Space Shuttle Columbia. <laughs> Next up, it's the show's first two-parter, and maybe one of the most controversial episodes in the series. <laughs> Yes, number 17 is Jupiter Jazz, episodes 12 and 13 during the run. It's a follow-up to Ballad of Fallen Angels. And this is where I tell all of you that I don't actually like the syndicate parts of this show. I think they're Mm. probably the weakest elements of Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, And I ranked the episodes accordingly. And Mm. there's a lot of discussions about whether Jupiter Jazz is in fact progressive or problematic. Mm. I'm going to yeah. fall on the problematic side of the scale. <laughs> mm. I am. Here's the way I looked at it. Talking about, I assume problematic. We're talking about the character of Gren. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another character. Uh, I, I think I know the character you're talking about. And yes, that's something else. But Gren, here's the thing. The hormone thing where with the medication, that was stupid as hell. Like mm-hmm. that changed my body. Okay, whatever. I have boobs whatever now. Whatever you want. I have boobs now. But after that, Nobody laughs at Gren for this. Haha, you're a no. man with like with women parts. People still respect Gren. The Gren's ending is very, very tragic. So they got that tragic ending that, of course, like any good character deserves. So I don't think that they were made into a joke. Now, was it really necessary to make them uh, give them female parts beyond like okay, just that that bait and switch they did with Vicious? I don't know. I can't say. But I can't. I can't say that I feel that trans people are being made fun of here now being cis myself i'm just kind of they have you know, can't say i mean the trans sex workers on the oh, that, those were terrible no no, no those were absolutely that's the part that I those are awful no i'm not talking well. about the trans sex yeah. workers i'm talking about gren period I know. the trans sex workers were awful <laughs> that fact, i agree with the fact that they have the trans sex workers in that same episode and it takes that, place yeah. in a city that is all men like it feels like they're trying to make a point or a metaphor question mark that just really does not quite land, right? Mm. The way that I read it as this two-parter is very much about quote-unquote men and women, and so much of Gren's world is about 
quote, what you would kind of code as male, which would be the fact that Gren was in the military and was being like in camaraderie mm-hmm. and everything and ends up going to prison and then ends up basically and lives in a city, which is literally all men. There are no women there and ends up being, I don't know, exiled question mark from the world of men. Like Gren's whole thing is that vicious betrayed him and uh, betrayed their camaraderie. Right. And now, so it comes off as this strange attempt as a visual metaphor. And I don't know. I, it just doesn't sit right with me. I have to admit, I didn't see the I metaphor. Think, I think it was more than camaraderie. Yeah. No, Grant Gran is honest. in love like, with Vicious. I read that very 100%. much. 100%. Like, Grant yeah. Gran is in love. And Vicious yeah. knows and yeah. is using He him. was using yeah. Gran the whole time. I mean, Gran, there's, there's a line. So when I first saw this as a teen gay who uh, was not particularly... I was definitely ignorant on trans issues uh, as a gay person. I But... I had read Gren as a male homosexual, like who mm-hmm. happened to have boobs. That was my read at the time. Uh, Gren even has the line to Faye, like Faye is like kind of hitting on him or flirting. And, and Gren says back like, well, you're not really my speed of just saying like, I'm not attracted to women like that. Mm-hmm. that I took that to be the statement from Gren. But yeah, then, you know, Grant presents his mail at the bar playing the saxophone. And then at the end of the, when it's the big battle with vicious hairs down wearing, you know, a dress and, Mm -hmm. and seems to be presenting his female. But I, yeah, I mean, as for Julius and like the joke scene of like, Oh, because you're like, Oh, we're going to see Julia, this character we've seen hinted at in episode five. And we're getting a little bit more of the lore. And then just like, it should have almost like a record scratch. Like, like yeah. just when, when, <laughs> when Julius turns around and looks at spike, it's just like, yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, it's, it's one of a million. There's 8 million jokes. Like they're, they're all bad, but there's, it was of mm-hmm. the time of just like, Oh, you thought it was a girl. Look at the five o'clock shadow. Like I just like black. I hate it. It this it made me sad rewatching it because space. If you'd asked me before I did my rewatch with uh, my future husband five years ago, I would have said Space Line is my favorite episode because I love the sadness of it, the melancholiness of it, Gren's adventure, and Space Line is my favorite song in the entire series. That's a great, a great, great song. It's so yeah. good. It's but then so when that Julius scene happened, I was like, ah. Ugh. No, mm-hmm. why did I erase that from my memory? Yeah. I don't even think at least Spike doesn't like beat them up or say like, hey, leave me alone, you freaks or whatever. Like he's he yeah. just gets their opinion. And I kind of do like the line of Julius saying, like, can't you tell he's straight? But the dub voice actors, it's also one of the worst moments in the dub. The voice they give Julius, I really don't like. Oh, it's either. terrible. It, That's the worst the part English of it by far. Yeah. yeah. It's a bummer in an episode because I, I also would have put a long time ago Jupiter Jazz at the top of my list, uh, even over things like Ballad of Fallen Angels. And I think this rewatch particularly, um, I I really like tried to pay more attention to to some of the stuff. And definitely like the Julius stuff is not great. Um, and the Gren situation has like it starts out pretty bad with faye like freaking out and she has a line that's like well which one are you and it's like that's that hasn't aged well but uh there's some visual imagery in this episode that's really the part even when i was young that stuck with me where 
uh, Gren is in the foxhole or, or the trench or whatever, and there's a scorpion and and vicious like stabs it right next that's to great. Gren's yeah. face. Even even when I was young, I was like, I think that's a rock. <laughs> <laughs> <Like> that's, <laughs> yeah. That's, oh, okay. I get that now. I understand. Like, okay, cool. Power. That's that's interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, it's funny how this. much gay male but, coding just flies right over my effing head. Because <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I don't even. I I almost never think. Oh yeah, those two guys are definitely into one another. Because I'm not even. That's not even in my kind of in my purview. I'm not. No offense to the guys on this podcast. Open your I'm, shipping borders, Kat. I'm not Open thinking about line. guys. Let's I'm put not. it this. Let's put it this way. It's like when your mortal rival has like one of those like rapiers yeah. or whatever, like a long sword, and like lifts the chin, like your chin <laughs> up with the blade. That's the same energy that's happening in that trench scene so like that you're sitting there you're like oh okay yeah and (laughs) i will say another reason this i was warmed up to it at the time uh, at first viewing is that i really like the friendship between gren and Faye as it presents itself especially in the first part because you know Faye is used to being around men who all want to have sex with her and she uses that you know and then also that that she's in such a dark place she went to like a planet surrounded by like awful men and she's like i don't fucking care like i'm just gonna get drunk here and here she meets like the first man in her life who's like no i'm i'm seriously not not attracted to you i just i just want to help you like you come back to my place please i i'll have some vodka and hot water and just you know chill out and and as far as what i said before that i love on the series how they um mess with your expectations of fan service the only topless scene directly in the series is gren's and which (laughs) i do feel is a troll on the part to the hetero viewers of 1998 they were they were you know, obviously, as a uh, as I grew and I think understand trans people better and what it deals with, like I think this is just there's so many there's so many uh, genre fiction in general, and I don't just mean Japanese animation, but it definitely falls into it of just like, well, what's a surprising tri- twist? If someone's a different gender than they present as, that'd be a big shocker. Oh, this person has a penis and you didn't think they did. That's a giant twist of a story, and it's just, it's at best hack in, in these situations. That's the thing. You know? It's presented as a twist, especially at the end yes. of... Jupiter yeah. Jazz Part One, right? And Gren yeah. as a character mm-hmm. is a victim the entire time. Victim of vicious, mm. victim of the system. Uh Gren ends up being where they are because of abuse, because of systemic mm. abuse and the mm-hmm. military drugs and everything. It's why it kind of made me uncomfortable that they ended up casting a actual non-binary actor to play this character. And I'm like, well, I hope they rehabilitate Gren, honestly. But <laughs> I just I think Gren's I don't like Gren as a character. I don't. One well, and back then, you know, to the even if you had a story that was like, let's feel empathy for a, a person like Gren, they have to die at the end. Like part mm-hmm. of the empathy is it has to be a tragic death. They're not allowed to live. It's just like all the AIDS movies where like, no, the character has to die. Like, but but okay, another thing mm. I love about this and why it was one of my all-time favorites until really reinterrogating what it has to say about uh, trans characters. I 
as the middle part of the series and as a what could have been the end but end up not being the end like it's a tease for what the end will be it lets you know what it will be it's final shot of the it's the it's the blue ending except it's at night and it, it's you know the blue ending of the final episode is a reflection of the of the space line ending to this one and just this this thought of like you know going back to the tribal chief who pops up all the time too just to say like well you're gonna die eventually and what will you be left as like and just Mm. this this the repetition of those scenes are i i just love it and i i i've listened to space lion so many times and i want to feel deep i listen to it uh yeah and have and and be meditative i think that you could cut jupiter jazz and not lose anything I think mm. that you could go straight from mm. Ballad of Fallen Angels straight to real folk blues and you're fine, honestly, because what does it add? It kills off Lynn and Lynn is a non-character. Well, it builds up Julia and Vicious more. It, Not it makes really, them, though. Like, and you're yeah. waiting for this spike in Vicious. Uh, it, it tantalizes you more with another spike in Vicious face off that it kind of denies you that. But like, it doesn't it, add anything to well, Spike. And we never see Julia. And I have a lot of problems with Julia, as it is. My main takeaway from this episode is that Vicious is not a character. Vicious is nothing. He's a nothing burger. I love him. Vicious is a force. Vicious is nihilism. Vicious is your past coming to get you. And that's it. Vicious does not believe in anything or anybody. Like, he finds Lynn being uh you know really devoted to the red dragon is just purely pathetic he says at one point i don't believe in anything so yeah. to me like all of these characters spike and Faye and jet and ed are trying to find something to believe in right find a reason to live and vicious is the other side of that vicious is when you just give in to the darkness right so this this is where we're going to disagree cat mm-hmm. I think Vicious is a very interesting character on rewatch. I didn't say he wasn't because a, not an interesting character. I'm saying that he fits very but clearly he, into the themes. He believes he believes in power. Like Vicious is a character that just wants mm-hmm. control in life. Honestly, like the the way that Spike freely lets go of everything to avoid feeling pain is the opposite in where Vicious wants to just control everything and make it his so that nothing can go wrong. As seen in his relationship with Julia, as seen in the way that he literally starts a coup d'etat in order to own the syndicate. Like He wants control of everything so that way everything can be perfect. Where Spike is, if I let go and whatever happens, happens then I can't really complain about whatever happens. Like I can just be free in that way. And I think they're interesting foils to each other because of that. I think Jupiter jazz is important in understanding that because now you see all of vicious's relationships are controlled are like, you know, vicious is using Gren vicious is using Julia vicious is Mm -hmm. using spike. And it's a very, like it exists definitely to inform the character of spike also do kind of set up vicious as more of a character because otherwise you have ballad of fallen angels where you have super cool dude shows up with sword (laughs) and stabs spike and then you would jump right into real folk blues and there is backstory that happens in real folk blues and a lot of it frankly i think Mm -hmm. too much happens too late in the show and that we can talk about that later but um here at least 
we're getting an idea of Vicious as a character and also outside of the context of the love triangle that he has with Spike and Julia, we're getting, we're getting to see Vicious as a person throughout his life was a manipulator, a controller, somebody who just wants to use other people for his own gain and how that's affected his outlook on life. I, I think Vicious is underutilized. I? I don't think Vicious is a bad character. Oh, and sorry, the last thing in it, it has the hot, the alleyway fight is one of the coolest fights oh, in the whole that was yeah. So good. Yeah. So, so yeah. good. That's another I mean, plus for this one. It just has space line. That's all I want. Mm. I'm good. In, in the list of episodes, I'm very interested to see the live action oh, tackle. Right. <laughs> this is definitely yeah. high up there. Not just because I'm like, how are they going to navigate this? But for a frozen planet, it is actually a really oh, yeah. pretty it's kind of planet Siberia. to explore. Like, it's definitely that. That's where you see the Russian acrylic and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Maybe this is my my heritage it's the talking. But I, I like love it too. Frozen wasteland. <laughs> I, I, I think it's kind of funny that they specifically are like, well, this is the uh, this is the Morocco slash Turkey planet, and this is <laughs> the, the uh, planet. This is mm-hmm. the Siberia planet. This is well, actually one thing I do mm-hmm. like about Cowboy Bebop is it stays in our own solar system. I it doesn't yeah. go to like some weird ass weird yeah. ass planet Andromeda. I like what they did. I like what they did with the place. I like what they did with Earth. I like what they did with the moons and and all of that. And I I, I actually think it's a very realistic prospect that someday humanity far far into the future it won't be out in the stars but living within our own solar system and that's probably what it'll look like as eric said everything still looks like junk but hey we're it's still all there cluttered with mm-hmm. garbage everywhere like that's it's what it space is space hoarders episode mm-hmm. 5000 the cowboy bebop universe is a wonderful lived in universe wonderfully realized one of the best settings i've ever seen in sci-fi and if anything it makes me mad about the netflix show because they are just trying to do a live action carbon copy of the show Whereas there's so much interesting material to be found in this particular setting if you just wanted to go in a totally different direction from it. And I wish they had, honestly. But instead, they're just kind of copying the look of Cowboy Bebop without understanding why they did any of that. Maybe that's maybe the marketing is just really bad. Maybe the show is actually a lot better. I don't know. So two final points before we finish up here with Jupiter Jazz. One, yes, Henry, I completely agree. The alleyway fights are freaking incredible, and it's hilarious to watch Spike and Faye completely own this leader to the point that he's just like, I I give up. I'm out. I'm gone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no more foreigners. <laughs> and it, it has crying. one of my absolute favorite shots in the entire show where Spike punches a guy really fast and then turns to the camera, and there's mm. rare moments where Spike gets legit pissed. Right. Yeah. And this is one of them. Mm-hmm. And the results are just awesome. Right. Mm. It is yeah. off the hook. Like the, the flow of the animation. Oh my gosh. Some of the best in the entire series. And he says, Do I look like a guy who yeah. has money to you? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. a meme now. <laughs> and the big puffy pink jacket is great. I love that Spike is really into uh, mm. pink. Mm. I, I'm a sucker, frankly, for uh, the trope where someone who has a very dangerous past reveals a sliver of that past, like just. In an instance like that, where Spike just kind of took out those guys with no problem at all, and you realize, oh crap, he he fights for fun. Yeah, when he fights, he has fun. But here, he was being very, very serious, and it was kind of frightening in a way. And on that note, I think we need to wrap up part one of the Great Cowboy Bebop ranking. Holy cow, we got a lot more to come in episode two. We're gonna 
talk about the top 10 best episodes and everything. As we've seen in this part one, we got a lot to discuss. And we spent quite a while on just Jupiter Jazz, so buckle up and look forward to it. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening to our great Cowboy Bebop ranking. And if you are a Patreon supporter, thank you for supporting us. It really does mean a lot to us. It keeps the lights on for the show, lets us get people like Eric on board. It's great. We really appreciate it. And if you're not a supporter, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod. You can find me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. And Eric is at cmoosey, S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. And Henry, one more time, tell us where to mm. find you and please promote some stuff. Oh, yes, I am at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter. You can find me there. And uh, I do weekly the What a Weekly, I do the Talking Simpsons podcast. Twice a month, we do the What a Cartoon podcast. If you liked me talking about all this anime, we do that quite a lot on What a Cartoon. And uh, we are all supported at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. If you go there at the $10 level, you can hear me and my co-host Bob Mackey talk about the Cowboy Bebop movie for over four hours, almost five hours, super in-depth. So check that out, patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Lots more to come in part two, including Mushroom Samba, Black Dog Serenade, Pirate LeFou, Ballad of Fallen Angels, and of course, Speak Like a Child. Lots of episodes to discuss. What a wonderful show. But until then, for Nadia, Henry, Eric, and myself, thanks for listening. See ya, Space Cowboy. <laughs>